Right on radio. Right on radio. When you think of swamp creatures, there's a few that come to mind. Certainly Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and there's another one that's been in office for about five decades and has done nothing to serve her people. The community has been falling apart rapidly, and that is Maxine Waters. Remember the Maxine who was calling out people to form mobs against her political rivals? You know, she instated riots essentially at the beginning and no one was louder on impeach 45 than Maxine Waters. Well, today we have a very special treat for you because we have the man on air who plans to unseat her in CA 43 Congressional District. Now, I want you to listen to this broadcast, even if you don't live in California. And because we want California to turn red, I'm going to ask you to make up your mind if this is a good candidate, but then share, share, share. Let's get the message out and let this get this man get elected. I was impressed. I know Jesse was impressed with this guy. In fact, Jesse was really impressed. She was the one who arranged to get him on the show today. So kudos to her. But check this out. Great interview with Joe E. Collins III. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Well, welcome to Right on Radio. We have a very special program for you today because it's a program where you can get involved and make a difference in saving your country. My name is Jeff, and of course, I'm joined by Jess. Hey there. But today, it's not about Jeff or Jess, as it never is. Today, it is about the congressional candidate for California 3043, Joe Collins. Now, if you're listening to this and you think, well, I don't live in that congressional district of 43 (laughs) in California, so I can tune out. No, 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 no. Because every congressional seat means something, and we need to turn California red. And most of all, people in California need to turn California red. Now, Joe is running against who I like to call Maxine Deep Swamp Waters, because she has been in office, and she is part of the California cartel, as far as I'm concerned. And we need to get these people out. But I don't want you to necessarily vote against Maxine Waters. I want you to vote for Joe Collins. And you can make up your mind based on this interview. Joe, welcome to Right on Radio. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Good morning. Yeah, and it is a very good morning to have you on, sir. We're just a few weeks out of the election. This is one of the most important elections in our life. And... Before we get into any policy, would you just lay out a bit of your bio for us? I understand you did some military service. Yeah, um, so I'm from South Central Los Angeles, and uh, my mother moved us from South Central to Texas after our house was shot up in a drive-by. 
um, in 2004, I graduated high school in 2003. In 2004, I joined the U.S. Navy. And uh, I served from 2004 until the end of 2017 when I decided to hop into politics and get out of the military. And, um, you know, I started off as a presidential candidate. I had to learn a lot about politics. The only way you can do it is go straight to the top. That's where you learn the most. And so after we shut that um, that campaign down, we picked up the race to uh, run against Maxine Waters for Congress in the area where I was born, which is South Central Los Angeles. Um, everybody knows we need a lot of help out here. Uh, we need economic development. We need opportunities, schools, every you name it, we need it. We've been underserved and underrepresented for a very long time. And so now it's time to change that. It sure and, is. Yeah. And and you had a video that you put out. I, I call it the, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 this really went viral. How many views do you have on this video now? I, I don't know, like four million or something like that. Wow. Wow. Somebody this, was telling me, they were like, hey, did you know that 1% of the population of the United States seen that video? And I was like, wow, when you think about it, that's a lot. Right. That mm. is a lot. That was I call it the Clastic move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, success leaves clues. And so, you know, she was very successful in exposing the disparities that the Democratic Party has caused to her community. So we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So... You went from the U.S. military into possibly a more dangerous job. <laughs> if you thought bullets were coming at you before, how is it now in Southern Los Angeles? Um, you know what? Right now, it's just a lot of trash talk. I- I've served in Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2008. Those people were not talking trash. They were shooting guns. I'll take the trash talk over bullets any day. I'll be honest with you. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's just like you hear the rumors that people make up about you. You're just like, Jesus Christ, are you serious right now? <laughs> but um, I get really excited when I hear Maxine Waters say my name because it's like, you know, we spend a lot of money on advertising. She spends a lot of money on advertising, but her advertising has our name all over. So it's like we're spending triple the amount of money of advertising. We just hope people go back to our social media and our website and see the good work we've been doing in our community. Yeah, I, I think people will. I mean, you know, we were excited when we were seeing your video and, and hearing about you. Uh, we have a collective group of individuals who have YouTube shows and radio shows and podcasts. And we've been really bringing about um, bringing out a lot of the issues with the veterans. You yeah. know, so when we saw you, we were just like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, you know, everything that is in your platform you know, represents what we as citizens are wanting, especially for our vets and those in the military. You know, we were excited about that. And and then you add the community aspect, you know, that that you're really centered on that and and the education and and raising up the communities. Um, It was very exciting to see. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of people... They write off the issues that veterans have on a regular basis and they make it seem like we just have it all made, but they forget that the VA is messed up. You have veterans that are homeless, veterans with mental disabilities and, and mental illness, medical illnesses. Um, you know, they get you strong out on the medications. You don't get the right treatment. You got veterans who don't even know they have benefits available to them. You got veterans that, you know, die waiting on treatment and everything. And so it, it really makes me upset when I hear people right veterans offer to make it seem like our issues are less valuable than anyone else's issues and it's like well we put our lives on the line we signed that contract we made the commitment to protect our country and so the least you can do is help us out and that's what we haven't been getting for a very long time 
And more disturbing, I believe Jesse posted the other day the latest statistics. It's about 22 or 23 veterans are committing suicide every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. That was where, you know, we really... Back in 2008, 2009, I worked as a chaplain in the VA system. And I specialized with the mental health. So that's where, you know, they they brought out... um, called us into a special meeting and pretty much the military said, you know, at that point, the reported number was 40% of vets were committing suicide a day. The unreported number was 60%. And they said, you know, we don't know how to fix this problem. So they were calling on lay clergy um, to help address the issue, especially when the veterans came home. but then now, you know, it's like what it's been, how many years and the problems only continue to increase. And, you know, it's like somebody has to step up. And if it's not going to be our government, then us as citizens need to step up exactly for the reasons you said. I mean, you guys are out there putting your life on the line every day. And, you know, the least we can do is is help out with these issues, you know, be a voice, but it needs to be more, you know, we need to be fighting for legislation that all the services that veterans need, you know, so that all those needs are getting met. Um, I don't think it's right that politicians can retire and get paid for the rest of their life, these massive amounts of money. And yet our veterans come home and they can't even get a job or they get a, let's be honest, a crappy job that pays minimum wage and uh, they're not even valued, you know, for what they did. And, you know, that, that's got to change. You know, veterans should be the ones who are getting paid for the rest of their lives, taken care of for the service that they've done. You know, especially I'm somebody who promotes, you know, veterans who have disabilities as well. You know, it's like if somebody's at a point where they can't care for themselves or need, you know, a lot of help, um, you know, I, I've got veteran friends who, you know, off of social security, they're barely, they don't even get enough to, to live off of, you know, they, they get to pay their rent yeah. and that's about it. They don't get extra money for food or, or household things or clothing. And it's just not right. So Joe, what, let's start at the top in Washington and what's wrong with Washington and, you know, looking at the VA issues and, things like that. And then let's bring it down to your community level. What's wrong with Washington as a big part? I think the biggest thing that's wrong with Washington right now is a a lot of people have serious lack of common sense, you know, and another thing that's wrong with Washington is you have a lot of aged politicians and everybody wants to be right based on the past experiences that they've had. And I think they forget that we're moving into a more um, technologically advanced error and we move into an era where the same ideologies that these politicians had back in the days, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s are no longer relevant right now in 2020. I mean, um, we, we have to continue to move forward, which means people have to start voting for people in office. Now, I'm not saying vote for people like like AOC and Neil Han Omar, who's just like nuts, but what I'm saying is vote for people who have like legitimate common sense, who can balance and checkbook, who has life experience, who has traveled across the world, i.e. veterans, you know, um, people who want to see America progress, people who understand uh, war and uh, you know diplomacy, like things like that. And so, 
we we have to start removing people who feel like they always want to be right. Like Nancy Pelosi always want to be right. She feels like she knows everything. She's the end all be all when it comes to Congress. And it's just like, you know, it gets frustrating after a while listening to these people talk every single day, especially people like Maxine Waters, who has never said anything positive since 1976, you know? And um, when you think about the statistics of the people who've been in office for a very long time, one day they all have in common is they've done absolutely nothing for a very long time. Yeah. And, and Maxine Waters, it's fair to point out, you know, she was out on the pedestal and, and, on, and on national TV, essentially creating a mob mentality against her political opponents. That cannot be part of a discussion in a, you know, no. republic. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so you're talking about ideologies. If there was just one of those that you could change or you know, get Americans to focus on what one would that be? Um, getting America to focus on, uh, I want to say like the family union. I think that's like one of the biggest things. Because uh, a lot of issues we have is because we don't have the family union. When you don't have the family union, you start spending more money on social programs. Social programs is one of the biggest spending items when it comes to uh, government next to the military. Now, understanding like we absolutely need military, but we need families as well. So I would say, you know, rebuilding that family unit is going to be like one of the most important things. You know what? And with so many broken marriages and that these days, the family unit is going to take years for people, for a generation to come up and really desire to have that proper family unit again and to make it more of the mainstream. But in the meantime, what about mentorship programs? How do you stand on that? Mentorship programs is good as well. And I think that's something that would, uh, you know, in my opinion, go into the, the school systems as well as uh, some of the, the social programs that we already have out. I know ben, I had a mentor whenever I was in the military and I had mentees when I was in the military as well. And I passed down valuable lessons that I've learned that helped me get to where I am down to the younger generations. And so I think that mentorship starts within the schools. Um, so that'll be an aspect that we'll, we'll push to, to get into our schools once we start rebuilding those here in uh, California. Mm-hmm. And I'll put, I'll put forth something else that's just really close to my heart, Joe, and that this would go you know from the, from the Congress level right down to your local level. And you've mentioned something common sense. Mm-hmm. No family would run a budget the way Congress does. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, stewardship is one of the most important things. And, you know, it isn't the government's money to give to us. It's our money. And I would yeah. like to see someone in government start to treat it like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you, you have a you had a good point there, too. And one of the biggest issues that we have in California would be the amount of money that we pay in taxes. Right. And then you get something like the covid where, and they shut down the entire economy. And we never get the return on the investments that we put back into our state, which is, you know, our taxes. They give it to illegal immigrants. They give it to all type of different programs. But the actual people, the businesses are actually struggling. People who never see this money again. And and that's not fair. The same way with the federal government. You know, we have um, uh, federal government who, I mean, they're failing us right now when it comes to giving us the, you know, money. And I understand corporations pay, you know, certain amounts of money and taxes as well. But we pay a lot of money in taxes as well. So we should be like twelve hundred dollars in one year for some taxes. Uh, that's that's not good enough. You know, we need to be getting something on a regular basis because of the amount that we pay into the uh, the system. So yeah, yeah. 
So you mentioned the lockdown and shutting down businesses and, you know, California has been one of the most tyrannical places to live during this. Where do you stand? And I know it's a, a more of a local governance thing. It's the governor, essentially. But what's your position on the lockdowns? Is it time to open up? Is it time to get back to business? I think it's been time to open up. I mean, I understand that it's a, it's a virus. We've had many other viruses before. A lot of people die. People will die. It's going to happen, you know, whether you like it or not. But one of the biggest concerns that I have is, you know, without having a vaccine or without having some type of um, cure for whatever it is we're going on, uh, you can't keep people locked up 24-7, especially when you're not providing those benefits for people to be uh, be taken care of. And so I would say, you know, open it up and, and allow our immune systems to actually do what it was designed to do, and that is to fight off these type of diseases. I mean, you look at the flu, right? Uh, even in the military, they give you a dead virus, a dead flu, so your body can build antibodies to fight it off. Well, it's, it's the same exact thing as if they put the flu inside your body and it came back to life, you know? So now you have another virus and it's it's live regardless of how people say you can track it, regardless if you have two or three, you know, serious pre-existing conditions, you're eventually going to get it at some point in time. So might as well get it out the way, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll take care of whatever losses may happen whatever you know and uh we'll, we'll keep it moving i think if we would have kept everything open i mean like of course shutting down travel from china shutting down travel from other nations and everything and and dealing with ourselves first and then you know take a couple of months to get rid of the virus or get everybody activated to the virus and they build the antibodies themselves and then we'll, we'll be good to go but yeah. they kept moving the goalposts yep yep everybody wants to be right though yeah and I mean, who, who would you say that you feel was most impacted by the the things that have been happening around COVID? Uh, I would say people who live in the inner cities and uh, black and brown communities. The reason why is because we have no quality jobs. We have no quality healthcare facilities right here within our um, communities. And, and then, you know, you got to think about the health aspect of it. You know, we don't exercise as much as we can. We don't eat right. We don't do anything that's necessary to ensure that, you know, we're maintaining our, our mental and physical um beings and so yeah people in the inner cities are are impacted greatly from things like this mm -hmm. the inner city has been a, a problem and it's predominantly in democratically run states that have been run that way for decades president trump has been pointing that out quite effectively and so you know there's this low income uh, there's a poverty mentality in many of these cities how do you change that joe um well, you're right. A lot of people do have a poverty mentality. We see a lot of times that people want to complain about things but never um, do anything to fix the situation. And so just how people have been brainwashed or programmed to think that their poverty is normal, we have to introduce them to success. And regardless if they like it, you know, they'll start to believe that the success is their norms, you know. Uh, rebuilding our high school, getting quality jobs, ensuring they have money at the end of the month instead of month at the end of their money, things like that. I mean, it's going to be uh, progress, but it's a progress that people will be more apt to accepting after a few months versus, you know, years and years of, you know, constantly people telling them like, no, you don't, this isn't for you because you're not rich or this isn't for you because it's a Republican thing or it's a Democrat thing. This whole us versus them type of thing, that mentality will go away. Everybody will be used to being successful, so success will become a norm. So you just have to force success on people whether they like it or not. Yeah. 
it, it, it's true. So, you know, the, 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 the kid on the street corner peddling drugs who's making maybe $500 a week, which, you know, could be pretty good money for a, for a young person out there. It's hard to convince that kid to get a job that's going to pay $250 a week. But the feeling of accomplishment that that person will have and having so much more dignity in their life and not being scared about this and not having the torments and the stress of, of dealing drugs. How, how do you convey that message to that kid? Well, I'll I tell you what, nobody who sells drugs on the streets actually want to sell drugs on the streets. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like impossible to fathom that that could be the case, you know, especially when you think about the, the number of risks that comes along with that type of lifestyle. Um, you end up dead, you're gonna end up in jail, you're gonna end up, you know, maybe, you know, paraplegic or injured in some type of way. And so these are all factors that, you know, people take in. And I mean, like just the thought of going to jail, back to back or prison, spending the rest of your life in prison is enough to, to be off putting to that type of lifestyle. But in order to combat that lifestyle, you have to be able to add the success aspect to it. You know, everybody want to prosecute, but nobody want to bring opportunities. And so um, once the opportunities are there, people are more apt to be like, you know what, it's not worth it. And then they will be more apt to take an opportunities because it's actually there. So we don't have that in the inner cities as much as people want to say, well, everybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Everybody has the ability to do this, that, and the other, which is absolutely true. But if the opportunity never presents itself, you don't know how to make the opportunity present itself, then you're going to end up in the same um, cycle of crap that they've been in for a very long time. Yeah, I love that you bring that out, that, you know, at the heart of it, you know, there's that underlying fear and the consequence, you know, which is going to be, you're going to end up dead or disabled. And these kids that, you know, they do know that they live with that fear every day. And, you know, we've talked about safe communities that each child should grow up feeling that they're safe, that they have opportunities, that they know, you know, where to turn, where to go. Um, you know, we're not teaching in these inner cities, you know, that's, we're not giving those opportunities or teaching the kids that mentality that they're not stuck, they're not bound to that area, you know, that things are not hopeless. Um, you know, we really need to be finding ways to to convey that, you know, that, that they really believe it um, and not just, you know, think that it's a, a wishful dream somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I know, um, you know, I have a lot of uncles who used to be involved in gangs and, and they've been in jail. Uh, and I know when they got out of jail, the last thing they wanted to do was get back involved in gangs. So they, you know, found a way in order to you know, change their situation, to move out of their situation, to live a successful lives. You know, now one of my uncles is he's one of the one of the top managers at a, at a huge uh, company in another state. And I have another uncle who works on... Uh, he does the wire for the telephone company and stuff like that. So it, we just, it's just a matter of providing opportunities, you know, which is why we've been working really hard, work with the aerospace industry to, to try to get um, opportunities for people to be able to get jobs without having degrees through apprentice and journeying programs and, and things of that nature. Uh, we have, we actually have a hiring fair today at uh, one of the churches here in, uh, in South LA. People are gonna be getting hired on the spot. It's just about providing opportunities. And yeah. what kind of jobs are they be hired for, Joe? Uh, you got to show up to find out. <laughs> <laughs> find out. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, as I would say to anyone, you have to start somewhere. Uh, even if you know you think it's the most menial job, it's it's having that job that other opportunities present themselves. It's hardest to get a job when you don't have one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I don't mean jobs like you know McDonald's and and Walmart's going to be out here. I mean like really good quality jobs. Like you might be able to swing a truck driving job. You might be able to be a you know an armed guard or something like that. Like real good jobs. Yeah, those pay well too. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can turn into other good jobs as well. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be having people start teaching, um, you know, business training, how to build your businesses, and how to build your business from point A to point Z. And hopefully, we can create some more uh, company owners, some more entrepreneurs. I think that'll be great as well. Well, oh, yeah. on the side, I've been developing a program for a couple of years, and you'll be the first. This will be the first time I've announced it publicly, actually. But I have a project called No Ghettos, and it's all about giving knowledge. NoGhettos.com website's not up yet, but it's all about passing along knowledge. And by the way, I want to do it for free. So it's it's about stewardship and taking care of what you get, and how to actually how money actually works, because most people don't understand. The principles yeah. behind it. That's good. That's wonderful. I love that. I love that concept. Well, what, once you get elected, sir, I will contact you, and perhaps <laughs> we can roll it out in your community. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah, yeah. I tell everybody this: like, if you get the plan and you email me the plan, we can get it out. It's easy. But nobody wants to write the plan, so. Yeah. Well, I've got the plan. <laughs> I've got the plan. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, so right, you, you know. Huh? Yeah, it, it's all about making a difference from the ground up. And I know the time is running out with you. I'm, I'm getting the signal. So, Joe, I really appreciate you coming on right on radio this morning. I urge everyone who's listening to this, judge the conversation by yourself, but use your weapon, which is social media. Even if you are not in that area, if you want another congressional seat to turn red, if you want a man who cares about his community, and if you want to drain the swamp, I want you to share this interview and get everybody behind this in your own capacity. Joe, thank you once again for being on Right On Radio. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys stay blessed. Have a good day. Thank you. You as well. (laughs) All right, guys. Bye. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.